Our message series is called Following Jesus, and in this series we're learning from the book of Luke what it really means to follow Jesus Christ. To follow Jesus is more than just saying, I believe in Him. I mean, certainly we do need to believe in Him, but following Him is actually doing the things that Jesus did. Following Jesus is following His example. It's saying the same things that He said doing the same things that he did, becoming more and more like him in our character and in our conduct and in our actions. And so today we're going to talk about the healing power of the Spirit. And to begin with, I'd like us just to look at the Gospel of Matthew, a verse, couple of verses there that summarize Jesus' ministry. Again, as we go through this whole series, we're seeking to understand what Jesus did so that we can follow his example. These scriptures are written out in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. You can follow along there. Matthew 4, verse 23 says, And he, that is Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So the first thing we see here is that Jesus was preaching the gospel, the good news about the kingdom of God that the kingdom of God was drawing near to people. He taught the people God's word. He called on people to repent. He called on people to believe in him. And so he was preaching the good news. Secondly, it says that Jesus healed every disease and every affliction through the power of the Spirit. And those were supernatural healing miracles. Matthew goes on to say in verse 24, So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. So what was the result of Jesus healing people? First of all, uh, basically his reputation went viral in those days, and people began to talk. Even without Instagram and Facebook and whatever else, TikTok, it, it spread all over the place simply by word of mouth that people were being healed of serious diseases, of serious illnesses. And there were other sick people around, obviously, and they came. They came to see Jesus. They began to travel to have that opportunity of being healed. And not only did Jesus heal people of these various diseases, he also healed those that were oppressed by demons. We're going to talk some about that today. And so the third category of Jesus' ministry, the first was preaching the good news or the gospel. The second was healing the sick. The third was delivering people from demonic oppression or possession. Casting out demonic powers from people's lives. And so why did Jesus heal all the people? Well, first of all, he cared about them. He had compassion on them. He wanted them to be, be whole, to be healthy. Secondly, he wanted to destroy the works of Satan. All, all sickness, all disease in, is in its essence uh, part of the curse, part of Satan's work in the world. And so he was setting people free from that. But lastly, the power that Jesus displayed by healing people showed that the words that he spoke were true, that the words that he spoke were from God. The healing power authenticated Jesus' ministry. 
Now you might say, well, that's what Jesus did. I mean, Pastor Dan, what does that have to do with me today? How does that apply to me? Well, as we look at the scriptures, we see that not only did Jesus do these things, he taught his followers to do exactly the same things. Let's look at Mark 6, verse 12 and 13. It says, so they, that was his disciples or followers, went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So what do we see in that verse? What does his disciples do? Exactly the three things that Jesus did. They proclaimed the good news of the gospel. They called people to repent. They cast demons out of people. They set them free. They anointed people with oil and they were healed. And so again, these supernatural signs authenticated then Jesus' disciples as messengers of God, that God's power was with them as well. And so when the Word, when the Word of God spoken is authenticated by the power of God, you have revival. Uh, you have people's hearts changed, people coming to God. And so revival is when people respond to the gospel. People are saved, uh, sick are healed, those oppressed by demons are set free. And so revival is what we are praying for, for our church, what we are praying for our city, what we are praying for our country, and indeed the whole, the whole world. So, how many here want to see the three things that Jesus did in his ministry happen in our lives, in our time, in our city? My hand is up. We want to see those things in a, a much greater dimension than we see right now. So let's look today at how we can grow as followers of Jesus in doing the things that he did, becoming more and more like him in every aspect. We're going to continue our study of Luke chapter 4. And remember last Sunday we talked about Jesus' mission, the things that the Spirit of God had anointed him to do, and it was these things. Now we're going to see how Luke shows us how Jesus began to carry out his ministry. And so Jesus had power over demons, and he wants us to have power over demons. <clears throat> the first story we're going to look at today is it begins in verse 33. It said, And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have, we to do, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so Jesus was doing what he usually did. He went to the synagogue, he began to preach. He presented the good news of the gospel. He was preaching to the people that gathered in the synagogue. And as he was preaching, as he was teaching, a man began to yell out. He began to interrupt the service. It says here that this man had a spirit of an unclean demon controlling him. And we know from Scripture and from practical experience, that when a demon controls a person, they can use the person's voice to speak. And that's what that demon was doing. He was speaking through this man. And as we read it carefully, we see the demon was speaking, not the man himself. And that is who Jesus is going to address. And so this demon knew exactly who Jesus was. He, he knew that Jesus had come to ultimately destroy the works of the devil to destroy the demons. Why did this demon cry out in the, 
in the service? Why did he cry out in the middle of Jesus' teaching? Well, demons don't like the good news proclaimed. They want to interrupt it. They, he, they wanted to uh, cause problems there. And oftentimes, demons seem to be provoked when the power of the Holy Spirit is powerfully present in a service or in a situation. So how did Jesus respond? Was he upset? No, he wasn't upset at all. Verse 35, and Jesus rebuked him. Now the him is the demon, not the man. Saying, be silent and come out of him. You see, there's two things here. There's a demon inside of the man and there's the man. So Jesus commands the demon to come out of the man. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And so Jesus commanded the demon to stop speaking, to be quiet. The demon quieted down. And then he told him to come out of the man. Now oftentimes, as we read through the Gospels, we see when a demon is expelled from a person, he, he has some control over their bodies and he usually throws them down for a, a time. Sometimes they, people think they're dead. Uh, I don't know exactly what happens, but they're not moving for a while and the demon comes out and then they, they come back uh, free from this possession. And so even though it seemed like something bad had happened to the man, he fell down, uh, he got up again, and he was fine, and he was no longer controlled by that demon. So what was the response of the people? What do you think? I mean, that was an amazing thing that had happened. And it says, and they were all amazed, and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out, into every place in the surrounding region. Now, the people of Jesus' day understood the reality of demon spirits far more than the people, at least in America, understand uh, today. They understood that Jesus had power and authority over these unclean spirits. Most likely, they'd perhaps seen someone under the control of an unclean spirit and, or a demon and didn't know what to do about it. They couldn't control the person. They just did things. But Jesus commanded the demon to be quiet. The demon immediately was quiet. Come out. He came out. The man was set free. Besides the impact of this incident on the people that were gathered in the synagogue, again, the story began to spread to many other people. What happened to the man? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know. Hopefully, Probably he became a follower of Jesus. I mean, that would be the type of thing. There's other cases where Jesus cast a demon out of person and he's told them, follow me. You're free now. Follow me. So hopefully that's what happened. Most likely that's what happened. But God desires for you and I also to have power over these demonic spirits. So let's talk a little bit more about what are demons because it's really not talked about a lot today, is it? Uh, are there still demons around today? Well, demons are evil or unclean spirits. The Bible uses both terms. Well, they use demons, unclean spirits, or evil spirits. And they follow Satan's instructions. They're not good. Okay, They're evil. Uh, they seek to steal, kill, and destroy. They seek to carry out uh, Satan's agenda. They seek to hinder God's people. They seek to hinder the church from carrying out his mission. Now, where do demons come from? 
Well, at one time, Satan and his demons were good or holy angels in heaven. We don't have time to get into all the scriptures, so we're just going to summarize what happened. And somehow, Satan rebelled against God in heaven. And he wanted to do his own thing. And God kicked Satan out of heaven along with a third of the angels that joined the rebellion. And they were cast down to the earth. And so demons are therefore fallen angels. They fight against God. They fight against the holy angels. And so all of creation in one sense is in a combat between God and his heavenly hosts, angels, and Satan and his demonic hosts, which are the demons we're talking about here. Angels or demons don't die. They're spirit beings. They don't have any bodies. They, they, uh, they live forever. And there still are just as many angels. There still are just as many demons as were present in Jesus' day. They don't die. They, they're still around uh, just as they were back then. Now, unfortunately, well, what do demons do today? They can cause sicknesses. All of this is from the Bible. They can cause mental disorders. They can cause disabilities. And they seek to turn people away from God through temptation. So demons can tempt you uh, to do wrong things. They can do all those things. Unfortunately, many people today don't even believe in the existence of Satan. Uh, if you do a survey, most people think Satan is simply a, a symbol of evil rather than a a real spirit being with immense power served by a host of demonic spirits. And the Bible clearly teaches that, as does Jesus himself. So many people think Satan and his demons are simply fairy tales, but nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, what would demons like you to think? Uh, what would any enemy like you to think? They would like you to think that they're not real because then you're not going to be on your guard against them. Then you're not going to seek to defeat them. And so we need to be aware of the reality of them. Not to be afraid of them, but to be able to uh, confront them and combat them. So how do we receive power over demonic beings? How do we receive power? Power over them. Well, Jesus said in Acts 1.8 that we receive power through being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that isn't the main focus of our message this morning, but if you haven't ever read uh, the book Power for Life that's on the table in the foyer, I encourage you to pick it up. The book's subtitle is Why Every Believer Needs to Be Baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's how you receive the power to deal uh, with a lot of things, including the demonic spirits. Assembly of God Church plant, uh, planter, who is a friend of mine, his name is Jay Covert. He works in East St. Louis, which is uh, not exactly the safest place to work in. Let me put it that way, uh, East St. Louis, so across the river. And he plants churches there, and uh, he's had considerable success in delivering people from demonic powers in his ministry over there. And uh, I hope someday in the future to have him come speak to us and tell us about the things that are happening there uh, in the victory over, over Satan and, and setting people free from the things that Satan has bound them with. 
So not only does God give us power over demons as a follower of His, as a follower of Jesus, God desires for us to have power to heal. So we're just going to go on in Luke chapter 4, verse 38. It says, And he arose, that's Jesus, left the synagogue, dealt with the demon. His day was not over yet. Entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve him. So right after casting out the demon, Jesus went to Peter's house, I guess to have, no, it wasn't Sunday lunch, it was, uh, this was the Sabbath, uh, to have a Sabbath meal at the house. And um, Peter's mother-in-law was sick with this high fever, and so they said, Jesus, you know, why don't you heal her? And interestingly, he says in these verses that Jesus rebuked the fever. I think it's interesting. Uh, he rebuked the demon, and here he rebuked the fever, in saying that he spoke to the fever and basically told it to go. Was a demon involved in the fever? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe at a lower level. One of the things we learn in Scripture that uh, demon oppression or possession can be at different levels. Uh, you can have a, a, a slight, to moderate, to very severe. So we don't know what that was, but either way, the fever left her. She was instantly healed. Her strength returned. But Jesus' ministry for the day was not done. Verse 40, now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Again, as we see, and as we study Jesus' ministry, we see that the reports of his healing of people brought more and more people seeking to be healed. More and more people coming to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, and to be healed of their sicknesses. In this case, it says that Jesus laid hands on the people. We see different methods that Jesus used to heal people. Here he laid hands on people, at least it tells us that he did that here, and he brought healing to each one of them. Now as Jesus was doing this, as he was carrying out healing the people, something else was also going on, verse 41. And demons also came out of many, crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And so many of the people who came to be healed of a sickness were also possessed or oppressed by demons. The demons began to manifest. They began to speak. They began to cry out. Jesus rebuked them again, told them to be quiet, cast them out. So in the ministry of Jesus, we often see healing and deliverance from demons at the same time. In fact, if we read really closely, we see that deliverance from demons is considered a form of healing. It says, you know, Jesus healed the people. In fact, we see that, we see that uh, right, right here in the whole story. In 40, he healed all of them, and, uh, including those that were possessed by demon spirits. And so God desires for each of his followers to have the power to heal. Now, any kind of sickness, whether it's caused by a demon, a virus, a bacteria, whatever, is really part of the curse that came into our world 
through the entrance of sin in the Garden of Eden. You know, before sin came in, before Adam and Eve gave in to Satan's temptation, there was no sickness. Uh, there was nothing like that. And that came in at that point. And so ultimately, any type of sickness is, is the work of Satan. Um, there's no sickness in heaven. But Satan isn't there. Uh, and there is still sickness on this earth because we are still in warfare with him. And Jesus came to set people free. Set people free of sin, to set people free of sickness. And so this morning we've seen several different ways of, of several different, I call, methods of which healing is brought into people's lives through the power of the Spirit. We saw that Jesus' disciples in the scripture from Mark anointed people with oil and they were healed. We've seen that Jesus laid his hands on people and they were healed. So I just want to add that even though at the end of every service we recently started praying corporately for healing, and that's important because we can pray for all of us together at once. That's important. But we still have this time of personal prayer at the front of the church where you can come forward and there we can do things that we can't do in corporate prayer. Uh, we can lay hands upon you. We can anoint you with oil. And so we encourage you to take advantage of uh, of advantage of that opportunity. Not only does God desire for us to be healed and set free, he wants to use each one of us as a follower of Jesus to bring his healing to other people. And I think we all realize, despite the blessing of modern medicine, it doesn't heal everybody. Despite, and, and we... Doctors are a blessing from God. He brings healing through doctors. He brings healing through medicine. We're certainly not saying that's not true. Uh, we encourage you to use the blessing that God has given to us in modern medicine. Uh, but there are still many things that uh, modern medicine cannot cure and things that God can heal instantly as we put our hope and trust in him. And so when you hear of a friend, acquaintance, or yourself have some type of sickness or disease or uh, some type of problem, it's an opportunity for God to work a miracle. We want to see that problems is not to get depressed over or not to throw our hands up. Problems are an opportunity for God to work. And so when you hear of somebody who's sick, in your realm of influence it's an opportunity for you to offer to pray for them and in my experience when somebody's sick and you offer to pray I can't remember a single time in my life where somebody has said no because even if a person doesn't believe in God what some have told me is like well it's not going to hurt anything right <laughs> go ahead and pray you know, it's not going to hurt anything. I mean, it's not, you know. And so people will, and most people will accept, will welcome prayer. Because they want to be healed and they believe that God can heal. So don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. The best thing is to pray with a 
a person in person. Uh, actually put your hand on their shoulder and just pray with them. Let them hear your prayer. That's one of the most effective ways. If they, I've had people not allow that, you know, when I'm in the office, okay, saying, don't, don't touch me, okay. <laughs> and I say, okay, I won't, but, you know, can I pray for you here? If that doesn't work, it's like, no, not really. It's like, okay, I'll pray for you, I, you know, just don't antagonize them, but, but pray for them as the Lord leads you. And once you pray for the person, now you have an opportunity to come back to them a few days later, a week later, and ask them, how is it going? I prayed for you last week. How is it going? And if they say, well, it's getting some better, praise God, I'll continue to pray. If they say, no change, or it's gotten worse, like, oh, I'll keep on praying. So don't get discouraged. Keep on praying for them, and you can keep on checking up with them. And it's a wonderful opportunity to show that you believe in God, you believe in the power of God, an opportunity for God to work a miracle in their lives. And we will see more and more miracles the more people that we pray for. So sickness is a wonderful opportunity to show the power of God. Now our son Peter, we just saw him last week, he is down in Springfield, Missouri doing Leadership training at uh, James River Assembly of God in Springfield, which is, a, which is part of Evangel University down there. And uh, James River Assembly of God is, is a, a, a large church. It's like 15,000 people. And uh, it, you know, God has done a great work there. But really, since Peter went down last fall, right? Yeah, Peter went down last fall. And uh, really, since Peter's been there, he said revival is happening. I said, you know, I mean, James Rue's been around for quite a few years. What's going on? Has this been going on before you came? He said, he said well, he said, it's not me, but <laughs> it's not me. I said, what has changed? You know, what, what, what is going on there? And he said, well, I mean, people are just getting healed all over the place. And uh, I said, well, what happened? I mean, what are they doing differently? And and uh, I don't want to go too long on this, but the pastor began teaching, uh, basically some of the things we're teaching today about following Jesus meant doing the same things that Jesus did, that any believer can pray for people who are sick and God will work healing through you as we believe. We have to have faith. We have to believe. And as that started to happen, it wasn't just the pastor praying for people. More and more people were praying. And a number of occasions, we've talked to Peter, and let me say, Peter has changed, okay? You, normally, when you would talk to Peter, how are you doing, Peter? Fine. It would be a one-word answer, you know, from Peter. And now, he launches into all the miracles he's seen just in the people that he knows there. I don't have time to go into them. Now, people coming in with injuries and braces and people gather around and pray and the pain will go away. They'll take the brace off and it doesn't hurt anymore and they're healed. Uh, all kinds of healings that are going on and, and um, Peter is super excited about it. There many, many stories. And it all began uh, with being taught and the people in that church began to pray and fast uh, that God would bring revival, that God would bring healing. And he is doing that. And of course, uh, the stories are spreading. 
and people are coming, more people are coming to the church and getting saved uh, as well as being healed. And uh, as I was talking about that with Peter, he said, and you know, I'm praying for that to happen at Life Church too, Dad. So uh, Peter is praying for us as well. So as a follower of Jesus, not only do we have power over demons, power to heal, lastly, we have power to share the gospel. Verse 42, and it, let's see, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from, from leaving them. Again, we see this, this drawing power when supernatural things happen. It, it draws people uh, to seek God. It draws people to hear about God. Then Jesus said to them in verse 43, I must preach the gospel news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Again, Jesus makes it clear his purpose was to preach the good news of the gospel to, to towns outside of Capernaum. He was in Capernaum and all over he had to continue to do it. The gospel is about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is mentioned in the gospels over a hundred times. Gospel is not just about individual people being saved. It's about God building his kingdom on earth. It's about the kingdom of God uh, coming. In fact, Jesus often said when somebody was healed, he said the kingdom of God has come near to you. There's power in the kingdom of God. When people are healed, when people are set free, the kingdom is coming near. And that's, that's really what revival is all about, when the kingdom comes near to us. So the kingdom of God continues to come in power into our world even today. He was preaching, it says in 44, in the synagogues of Judea. And so he continued to spread the good news of the kingdom. He wasn't just healing people. He wasn't just casting out demons. He was also preaching the truth of the gospel. All those things must, must be together. He was calling on people to repent. I don't have the verse here, but one of the summaries of Jesus' message in the Gospels was he was saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, when the kingdom comes, we need to repent and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the evidence, again, that the kingdom was at hand was that people were being supernaturally healed and set free. So Jesus shared the Gospel. It's our responsibility as his followers. Uh, he has given us the power to also Share the gospel. Already talked about Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. We are all to be witnesses. What is a witness? A witness simply bears witness to what he has experienced in his own life. If you're a believer here today, then you are a follower of Jesus. You have become a follower of Jesus, you have become saved, and so you know enough to tell somebody else how to do the same thing. And that's what a witness does. He simply shares with others what they have experienced. You've repented, you've believed, you know enough to tell somebody else how to repent and believe. And so God calls on each one of us to share our faith with our words, people around us, to share our faith through praying and bringing healing into people's lives. That was Jesus' purpose in life. And that's our purpose 
in life as well as followers of Jesus Christ. So today we've seen how Jesus' ministry could be summarized by him carrying out three activities. And as followers of Jesus, he wants us to carry out those same three activities. The first is sharing the gospel by word. Secondly is bringing healing into people's lives. Healing from physical disabilities and illnesses and sickness. And third, having power over demons that keep people captive uh, and various addictions and all kinds of things they can do to people as we see in the Gospels, setting them free to serve God. So let's believe God together that God's going to use us in increasing ways individually as a church family to bring his kingdom to this earth through the power of the Spirit To become a follower of Jesus, everyone is not, a, you're not automatically a follower of Jesus when you're born. In fact, you are not a follower of Jesus. Uh, each of us is born into sin. To become a follower of Jesus, we need to admit that we've sinned, repent, turn away from that sin, believe that Jesus died on the cross, that we might be forgiven, and commit our lives to following him as our Lord and Savior. And following him is all the things we talked about here and, and even more that we haven't talked about. I ask everyone right now to bow your heads and if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ this morning or to recommit your life to him, perhaps as we've talked this morning, you think, wow, you know, I, I believed in Jesus someday, but I'm really not doing any of the things that he did. I, I'm really not following him. Well, this would be a good opportunity to recommit your life to him this morning, to doing whatever you can to be a true follower of Jesus in, in word and deed and action. So pray along with me. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've followed my plan for my life and not yours. I repent. I turn away from that. I ask for you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I believe you rose from the dead. You're alive today. And I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for making clear the things that you did in your life, in your ministry, to carry out God's purpose. We thank you that you've given us the instructions and the power to do the same things in our lives. Forgive us for the times that we've thought that was somebody else's job or we couldn't possibly do that. Help us to have faith that believes your word, that believes that we will do the same works that you did, that we will share the same good news that you did, and we will see people's lives changed, people healed, people delivered. Help us to truly, earnestly seek you to be followers of you in every respect. Give us opportunities to share the gospel with those around us and the boldness to do it. Give us opportunities to pray for the sick and the courage to actually pray for those who are sick around us. We even ask, God, that you would show us people who are in captivity to demonic powers and that you would give us the power and the wisdom to set people free from whatever power, whatever oppression, whatever addiction that they may have in their life. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment or a recommitment of your life today, I'd like to ask you to check a box on the back of your Connect card and uh, place it in the offering basket in the foyer so we can pray for you. We have some materials out there in the foyer, startup studies in a New Believer's New Testament. Uh, they're free. We encourage you to pick those up if you haven't already. Next Sunday, we're going to continue in the Gospel of Luke, and our message will be entitled, Becoming a Disciple of Jesus. We'll talk about what that all means. Now is our time for healing prayer. It's a time when we corporately are going to pray for God to move in our service, in our lives, uh, for healing for ourselves, healing for those in our family, healing for those we may know of who need a touch of God's power. Luke 6, we haven't got to Luke 6 yet, we'll eventually get to it. It says, who came to hear him, talking of people, and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. So how were these people healed? People were healed because they came, they believed Jesus could heal people, and they reached out to touch the hem of his garment. That was an act of faith. Now, was there, you know, some magical thing in the cloth of his garment? No, it was the people reaching out in faith that Jesus could bring healing into their lives. And so there's something about reaching out in faith, believing that Jesus can and will bring healing. And so that's what we want to do today all together. And so I encourage you as a sense is for us reaching out to touch Jesus. Let's raise our hands, raise a hand to reach out and touch Jesus for yourself, for somebody close to you, that he would bring healing for people to be released from addictions, for people to be released from other things, from people to be saved. Most of us know people who aren't saved, that God would work in their lives. Let's pray together. Father, today we come before you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his wonderful ministry on earth, which people were saved, healed, and delivered. We thank you that he gave that ministry to his followers through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that we are his followers today. And so we pray for the same things to happen in our lives, in our church. Today we pray for healing God to come into every person that's on our hearts and minds as we have our hands raised as a, as a symbol of our faith, as an evidence of our faith, we're reaching out to you for your power to come down, for your kingdom to draw near, for your kingdom's power to bring healing and wholeness, deliverance and freedom for the people that each of us holds in our hearts. God, we pray that we would continue to pray on our own as well for the people until we see them healed, until we see the miracle happening. And God, give us the courage to even tell people we prayed for you or I prayed for you in service today. How's it going? I'm going to continue to pray for you until I see God move in your life. And finally, Father, today we specifically pray for the spouses of people in this church family. 
We pray for spouses who are not with us this morning for one reason or another. We pray for the spouses who may not be saved, God. We pray that you would move in their hearts and lives and draw them to Jesus, to the healing power of Jesus over sin. We pray for the spouses who have some type of illness or problem in their life. We pray for healing there, whether it's physical, mental, or whatever it is. We pray for healing that they might be able to come and worship together as a family, God. We pray for those who may somehow be antagonistic to the things of God. We pray, God, for that, them to be set free of that and give them a hunger and a thirst for more of you, that families might be united, God, in worshiping you and seeking your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.